0: ran for 57 seconds, which I believe may be a record recently for us. Really? Anywho, it is a very special, and by very special we mean we're late, we know, get over it, Wednesday edition of The Reaction. My name is Harry Broadhurst, joining me at this time as per usual, my traditional co-host, and the reason we're running on a Wednesday, Tony Acero. Way to find a feed that doesn't work,
1: Tony. You know what? Blame the cable companies who refuse to put on a East Coast feed on the West Coast.
0: Do they have like a uh, satellite option out there where you can get the live East Coast feeds, or is that like price range not w- efficient?
1: At one point, I switched cable companies specifically to watch Raw at five o'clock, um, my time, and that mm-hmm. lasted for all of about three months before they stopped doing that as well. So they switched away from the live East Coast feed as well and went
0: back towards the standard West Coast feed of USA Network.
1: Yeah, it used to be if you wanted to watch it HD, then they would use the uh, the East Coast feed and I'd be able to watch it on time. Um, and then randomly it just stopped. And I called and asked them and they said that they don't do it anymore or some bullshit. <coughs> so it's been... um. It's been quite a mission to get the Raw report done on a weekly basis. I mean, the only positive is that whenever I do a Don Cena match, I already know 50% of what's going to happen, so I can write it without actually watching.
0: (laughs) We're off to a phenomenal start here. Fred Tobin would be proud of you, sir.
1: (laughs) That guy. All right. I'm cool with (laughs) funny stuff when it's funny and when there's not a whole bunch of spelling errors and grammatically incorrect statements. I think that bothers me more than the lack of humor.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. A couple of them are actually relatively witty. If anybody could spell,
1: that would be super. I believe there was a thread where I corrected four different mistakes in each post that he did after what I corrected him for. Like, he said, you're a nerd, but he spelled you're incorrectly, so I corrected him. And then later he said, you're dumb, but he spelled you're incorrectly again don't call anybody dumb and then spell it wrong <laughs> you're off to
0: a phenomenal start to this show here tony you know that
1: yeah.
0: you. so how was your weekend um it was alright and your week so far given the fact that we're <sighs> already like 3 weeks monday was give me, like, monday was
1: horrible um like i said the i just i couldn't find anything that worked um I believe Justin Watry's is against speed so you know I I really really want him to know that I was struggling to find one it might make him feel better um and uh it's not so much that I'm going to piss off Larry or 4 and 1 or whatever it's more so the readers that you know are there on a weekly basis and um mean being unable to just I don't like to half ass anything except for this radio show so um <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: fantastic. Again, we're off to a great start on this particular episode of the show. Hey, Tony, let's talk about uh, TLC.
1: Oh, yeah, that happened. So, yeah, well, uh, this, this past week and a half that we've, uh, since the last time we've spoken, there's been a lot of wrestling going on. Uh, we had an amazing event with Superior Wrestling, a lot of surprises, an amazing feud kicked off, and we also had a pay-per-view. Um, so yeah. yeah, let's um <laughs> let's go there.
0: All right. Uh, real quick before we get to TLC, you wanna touch on uh take over our evolution real quick here?
1: Uh I'm gonna take i I'm mean, gonna touch on that a little bit later with the uh, with one of the dues. Um in in uh and it might take a little longer than I than I the time allotted specifically because that it, it's There's not so much the pay-per-view itself, but the comparisons that are being made. I wanted to talk about. I think that that would all have something to do with it. So we'll stick to TLT specifically.
0: All right. Well, like I said, we have the extra hour of runtime. Although it was only half an hour last week, and we ended up getting cut off because my phone decided to die. And once your phone, once the host phone dies when you're in extra time, the show
1: cuts. Period. Yeah, I didn't even get to say my
0: sign out, so I was pretty upset. We. we both gave the show C, deuces, bitches. All right, now we're back with TLC. All
2: right, let's do this. <laughs> um, all right, so we all thought that the
0: hologram ending for Hell in a Cell was up there in regards to Hokie. Did you ever think they managed to top it three months later?
2: Um,
1: you know, I don't know. <laughs> the, the players involved make me feel better about it, but it still doesn't sit right with me. It's similar to the ambulance where I felt that a um, you know dry ice or fog-filled ambulance is beyond hokey and extremely cheesy, but because it's Dean Ambrose, not only does it get a pass, but it's become seemingly cool. Um, this ending, it wasn't the worst one, but it, it was... Uh, I, I think that they deserved better, especially considering the match that they put on.
0: Yeah, I thought the match yeah, itself was yeah. really good. Um... I was actually live in Cleveland for TLC, and uh, I will be going more into de- more in depth as to what I saw and everything when I join our friends Sean Garmer, Paul Bryan, Leeser and Gary Joe Vaughn on Wrestling to the Max later this evening. Shoo. but anyways, and they definitely had the crowd eating out of the palm of their hands. But you could tell a collective look. What the fuck was that on that finish? Yeah. Did it come across that way to the uh, to the home audience as well? Because I'd imagine you were probably watching on the network.
1: Yeah, it did come across as that. It was. Uh, I mean, they we you know. Well, I would assume the viewers knew what happened, but it doesn't detract from the fact that it was like really that's that's what we're going to be doing. That's the ending that we're getting. Um, I mean, it's like yeah, it's a lack of creativity, and I know that 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 that's a common, you know, argument, but it really is. And they could say that this is a new way to end things. You've never seen it this way before. And sure, maybe we've never seen a monitor explode in the hands of somebody while still connected to some unknown source. But it doesn't change the fact that just because it's a new idea that it's good.
2: Yeah, and that's the uh,
0: that's the big thing here is the fact that the way that they re- that they did it, and it was the monitor that he pulled out from underneath the ring. A, it was raised by several people. What's a monitor doing under there in the first place? Does Hornswoggle still live under the ring and they're not telling anybody? Well, and that's
1: where B, The Undertaker watches everything.
0: <laughs> before he comes up through the ring? Yeah. I thought he was overdoing that, especially after that whole Lesnar incident back at WrestleMania. Anyways, and B, if you're going to do that kind of a finish, why not have it be one of the monitors that he pulls off of the announce table instead?
2: hmm
0: At least give it some semblance of believability in the fact that, all right, it's a monitor that he might actually go to use rather than something, some flat screen that he pulls out from underneath the ring. That was what right. bothered me.
1: No, I can see that, definitely. It's just uh, um I mean, if we're to stick with the idea that they're catering to a younger crowd, that's fine. And my little brothers haven't seen it. That's usually what I judge the reaction on. So I haven't seen whether they thought it was retarded or dumb or stupid, which is all um, adjectives they use when watching a John Cena match. Um, So I don't really know for sure how the, the, I mean, that litmus test, I don't know yet. But from my perspective, it was just. Too many, like, why did he do this and not this, or why did he do that and not that. And if you're questioning a storyline more than accepting it, then something's wrong. All right, other things to touch on from TLC real quick here.
0: Uh, your thoughts on the ladder match?
1: Awesome. Amazing way to start the show, and also a horrible way to start the show because everything failed in comparison. Um, <laughs> um that was, it was just, it was awesome. And, you know, it almost felt like Dolph Ziggler had arrived, which is sad only because he's been there for a long time. Um, <laughs> so there's no real arrival to be made. Um, but, no, it was it was every bit as, as great as I wanted it to be, while at the same time giving us a, um, not a new way to see a ladder match, but a new players. I mean, can we just take a second to accept that Harper is amazing? This dude is huge. He's, like, 10 foot 2. And like nine hundred pounds and he's flipping and flying and he's just I mean, he's one of those things one of those people that do it so fluidly that it makes it look natural. So you almost aren't surprised. But when you take a look back, when you when you step when you take a step back and you look at the match and you look at what he's done since he started, you really have to be amazed at how amazing he is. Well, the big thing for me too was that suicide
0: dive where he completely ate ladder and then landed on the damn thing.
1: Yeah, that was ballsy. Um, um, there was a lot a, of that was little, a little. Oh, yeah. But I'll accept it. Um, <laughs> no, it was. It, I wouldn't <laughs> say it was a stupid bump as as much as it was just um, not well taken care of. I mean, the you know, it, it was completely accidental. It was you know. The concept was that he landed on the ladder, as far as I could see. Like, that was what was supposed to happen. What wasn't supposed to happen was his arm hooking into it. So it was just a matter of shit happens, and if you're in this business, then you are well aware that shit happens. But we have to applaud him not just for doing it, but for standing up afterwards and still being relatively okay.
0: Yeah, the fact that he was able to continue that, because it legitimately looked like he had broken his arm on that. Like, I, uh... I was up high enough that I actually got a, I, was, I had a decent angle on it, but watching uh. it on the video screen and the replays when you see the, the arm actually trapped inside the ladder, and you're like, yeah, how did he not break his arm doing that? Right. Um, the other match that I really quickly want to touch on from TLC, and it kind of ties in to Monday Night Raw as well, is the John Cena-Seth Rollins match. And my thing about the John Cena-Seth Rollins match is this. Is if you're gonna let these guys go out there and have what basically amounts to a better match on Monday Night Raw, then why not just get to the point quicker in regards to the interference and the usage of Big Show and Roman Reigns? Why even do the why even do the false finish spot with both of them going to the table?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a it was a the the usual case of overbooking for a pay per view to give a um uh, credence to John Cena and Seth Rollins that wasn't necessarily needed. It was a bit verbose. It was like a inflated essay where the meat of the of the work was in the middle and everything else just kind of fluffed it all up. Whether it was because of time or they just wanted to give them a the spotlight, I don't know. It may very well be them attempting, if the rumors are to be true, to upstage NXT or to try to give us more than what we're used to. Um, and that way it's considered overcompensation, not giving us oh wow that was great because a lot of people including myself were like all right this is a lot of overbooking this is two interruptions this is a double fallout into a table this is j and j security there big show rain shows up i think Gooker was in the back like it was just a mess and not a bad mess the match was good and i liked it i enjoyed it um <clears throat> it, it 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 lends credence to the argument that john cena actually can wrestle um and and that's not something i'm afraid to say it's actually a topic that although we may not get to tonight you and i will get to eventually um but yeah there there was a little bit of overbooking and i want to imagine that it was because of the fact that they feel that that is what they need to do by comparing by comparing uh to any wrestling show namely nxt I'll get into that a little later, but let me just say that the excessive nature of the booking does not equate to success in the eyes of the viewers.
0: Yeah, and I think they were going more for shock value in regards to the booking on some of these matches, especially in that and the Ambrose Wyatt finish as well, whereas the NXT R Evolution show relied specifically on the wrestlers going out there, busting their ass, and the only real case of Any kind of sports entertainment, if you want to look at it that way, booking on the NXT TakeOver or on the NXT TakeOver show was Finn Balor's entrance, and I think we can all agree that that was freaking phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well,
2: that's an entrance. (laughs) You cut my music short.
0: I had to. We have a full show. Now I feel all inadequate. I'm well, to in a later. no, 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 don't play it now. No, now. I you feel better now, Jimmy. Sure. Oh, that'll, all that'll right. be enough. I feel bad the world fat ass champion, this ball, Jimmy man. Christopher, joins us once again. Thank you for having me. I would like to say the world fat-ass champion, yes. The world prediction champion, no.
1: <laughs> You're cute. That, that's cute. Oh, hell Harry really think, <laughs> he really takes that to heart. I I, I tried to tell him months ago that I don't care, but he I just let him have his fun. Give it time. It's like you and AJ. No, a- it is and not it- like me and AJ. <laughs> Nothing is like me and AJ. Get out of here! With uh, sh-
0: we're we're actually just getting ready to get into the meat and potatoes of RAW. We were briefly discussing our thoughts there on the TLC pay per view. Uh you want to give everybody your thoughts there because you had the same live perspective I did, Jimmy. I did have the same live perspective. Um, I enjoyed the show personally. I mean, I love any live show that I go to just because the Cheer, you and know, just enjoy it be able to enjoy it be able to get out and you know but i mean the show itself was okay i mean it wasn't it didn't blow me away by any means but it definitely had its high moments where i was just like you know very excited very happy about it and then there were other moments and i mean it's not worth going into detail about it we all agree on what was good and what was bad but i mean it wasn't a complete disappointment by any means to in my opinion did you actually get a chance to watch uh, NXT's R Evolution on, on Thursday?: Yeah: Do
2: you think uh, it's possible I... that
0: they were trying uh, forgive me. Do you think it's possible that they were trying to maybe kind of set the tone creatively if they couldn't match up inside of the ring as NXT's R evolution was? I don't mean to sound like a cynic or anything, but I don't think they were going to match them one way or another. Nope. That's... Thanks, Dean. I it's probably not inaccurate. You no,
2: know,
0: and it's not to bash you know, the main roster guys. It's just that the NXT guys went out there and they killed it. It's just that they went out there and they put on the best show that they could. And obviously the main roster guys didn't. At the same time some of them put on the best show that they could. Some didn't. Some put on you know, and, and gimmick matches are always hard to work with. I mean, let's be honest. Gimmick matches you don't have to do anything, but at the same time if you don't do enough, it looks stupid. And that's what happened Sunday. Some stuff just looked really stupid. It wasn't enjoyable to watch. And other stuff, you know, it it blew you out of the water, like the opener, you guys, I know you were just talking about it, the harper match, that match was amazing. And I don't know where Tony gets his statistics about Duke Harper being 10 foot 2, 900 pounds, but the man is very large, I will admit to that. But The, the things he can do is outrageous. They're outrageous. What? It's the and, Andre the Giant at Wrestlemania 3 theory, I think. Cause every I'm, time like nine, Hogan...
1: I'm like 9 foot 2, so I figure Harper's at least a foot taller.
0: Oh, yeah, you're nine foot 2 I'll get right on believing that. <laughs> well, every time Hogan tells the Andre story, Andre gets taller and heavier, so I'm guessing it's something along those lines. Yeah, it's like that fish, All right, God. You, know, you. All right, so we touched briefly here on TLC. As I said, I will be discussing in greater detail with our friends Sean Paul and Gary a little bit later on tonight on Wrestling to the Max. And if you're listening to us from the Yes page on Facebook... The W2M link does go up in the Yes Forum. And we also have some breaking news for the Yes page as well that we'll get to during our, our commercial break segment where we do our plugs and, our, and our, our quick hits. Oh, Jesus, it's going to be one of those days today, I can tell. All right, anyways, but let's actually get into the meat and potatoes of the show that we're actually here to talk about. And in the process of doing that, time to pop a top.
1: Mm, And I did go out to get some. Okay, so I wanted to talk about the new day, or a new day, not the new day, because this is just a new day, Um, specifically Kofi on commentary. Um, Now, this isn't me saying that this is going to go anywhere, that they're going to be great or that whatever, you know. I still feel that they should be healed, and there's been some seeds planted, with commentary and whatnot, that it'll essentially get to that point. But for now, Kofi, as a character, has been relatively one note. And the only time he showed any intensity was when he was throwing orange paint on a car. Um, So aside from that, we've had a person who isn't really a person as much as a caricature of some possible Jamaican dude um, that doesn't smoke. So we haven't had a lot of personality, especially considering that he's a black man. OK, and I'm not this is uh, this isn't as racial as it sounds, but it's very important. OK, at least to me, specifically coming from where I come from and what I've seen um, in in this particular uh, wrestling is not hip hop related. Wrestling is not um, allusion to music, is not allusion to culture. It's not that way. It simply isn't that way as far as urban life and, and, and the black community. Kofi on commentary wasn't. Crime time. He wasn't a caricature. He wasn't someone making fun of where he came from, but a lot of the words that he was saying, um, and, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but a lot of what he was saying was either a um, lingo that is used in 2014, lyrics of a, a song or two songs, um, simply the way that people talk to each other, both in inner city as well as where I come from. So it was extremely comforting to hear him on commentary sounding like a person. And I think that if they allow that to continue, then a new day will be something relatively fresh. Um, I don't think they'll go that far. I don't think we'll ever get... um, The the only other person to do this, and this is why I don't think they'll go that far, the only other person to do this type of personality is the Usos and John Cena when he was cutting freestyles or when he was quoting 50 Cent before he would cut a freestyle. Um, And neither one of those seemed legitimate, so having Kofi do it was a little bit of a refresher for me, so um, yeah, I, I hope that they continue it, basically
0: I honestly think that this New Day thing is going to be an end to a means here, and especially given the, the rather tepid crowd reactions that they've been getting on episodes of Wall. now, I don't know if you caught the pre-show for TLC, but the Cleveland, the Cleveland crowd Jesus the Cleveland crowd was really into the New Day. They were doing the shout-along with them. They were clapping behind them, getting along into that, that one-two clap that uh, Xavier Woods was doing at ringside, which is something unique to the New Day as well. It's just that it's not translating well to the rest of the television audiences, and I, and I know it's coming across on TV as if the fans could not give a crap less about these guys' as baby babyfaces.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Jimmy, your thoughts? Yeah, it was really weird because being in the Cleveland, uh, the, uh, I wanted to call it the Gund Arena there, the quick and low arena, man, am I old or is that just like a, a normal thing? It's so gun to me. Yeah, I still call progressive field the Jake too, but that's besides the point. Um, the crowd in Cleveland for TLC was very behind the New Day from what I could tell even for a pre-show match, even with people still filing, and they were very behind them. They were very excited about what they were doing. They you know, were doing the clapping. They were doing the chanting. They were doing the new day. You know, They were really into it.
2: And I watched them on
0: the Raw Monday night. It's just like we're dogging them in
2: Detroit.
0: <laughs> it's how can How can you be like that in one city and completely against the next? In such an extreme passion, in my opinion. I guess I just thought it was way overkill and that they were just dogging them the entire time. They weren't giving them a chance. They weren't really trying to get into the match uh, at all. And I was just so confused and dumbfounded by it.
1: It was weird. <laughs>
0: Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that uh, maybe Detroit is a more urban market, and they kind of see through the uh, they're kind of seeing through the the
1: relative corniness of the gimmick? I don't know what I it think, could
2: be to to be honest.
1: I think it has something to do with it. I mean, you know, it's it's very even walking right now. This conversation is walking a fine line between you know racial stereotyping and actually just accepting the fact that it's wrestling. Um, which if we had a larger audience, they would probably tell us not to touch this. But realistically speaking, Detroit is an area where um, the, the, the culture itself you know, is, is a different outlook on three black men wearing bright blue. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they didn't get to hear the commentary. They simply see what is presented to them. A new day as a gimmick isn't complete. You have no idea what you're supposed to take from these guys are they church fanatics are they gospel people are they just using that as a farce are they just three black men wearing wearing light blue what are they and i think that's their biggest issue is that they don't know what to latch on to so they simply don't latch on i just i don't
0: understand like like timmy uh, was saying there in regards to uh in regards to the cleveland reaction compared to the detroit reaction and i think that has a lot to do with like the different mindsets of the different fan bases of those particular cities. And in regards to your theory, the only time that I've ever seen wrestling marketed towards that kind of a market, Tony, was the Urban Wrestling Federation, and that only lasted like a couple of months before that went off the air.
1: Yeah, it should have went off the air.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying it wasn't garbage, because it was. but...
1: (laughs) But yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm actually watching the main event of Raw right now, um, and, and I just saw Brock, German Suplex, Cena, and I can't help but smile. But anyways, um, you're
0: just now getting to the main event of Raw? Yes. Uh, eat, sleep, suplex, repeat. God, I love Paul
2: <laughs> Heyman so much.
1: Yeah, he's about to shake Seth Rollins' hand. Oh, that's you can hear him screaming, it if you turn the volume up after they leave the cage, you can hear him
0: screaming, Eat, sleep, Suplex, repeat, and I'm just—I was dying when I
2: first heard him say it.
0: Yeah, but and you know what the worst part about that all is—is as is, is, is loud as Heyman's voice is. It's still not as squeaky as Brock's. No, it's no—that's weird. <laughs> Sounds like one of oh, like the uh, uh, like Chip and Dale chipmunks when he screams. <laughs> there was one curious, other thing that's weird. But, Since there's no other place in the show for it right now, I just want to kind of touch on this right here. Uh, Heyman's line about putting the Jew in jujitsu had me rolling. Heyman is golden on the mic. I mean, I think we all knew that, you know, years and years ago, but the man is absolutely golden on the mic. He just says the, the stuff that makes you either really excited, really happy, but he always gets a good reaction out of you, and he just knows how to work people.
1: Yeah, the stuff that bugs me about Heyman is the stuff that's supposed to bug me about Heyman. Um, It's like he's doing it on purpose. He repeats verbatim the same thing to start a promo every time on purpose.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is the fact that Heyman has the art form of getting heat from the crowd the way that he's supposed to, down to an art exactly how it should be. There are very few people that we can say that about nowadays, especially in mainstream wrestling. I think Heyman's right at the very top of that list. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. There's not even a close second. I would say Lana's probably the closest to Heyman right now on that roster.
2: Oh, yeah. Like I said, not
0: even a
1: close second.
0: All right, fair enough. All right, you guys ready to do some plugs and some quick hits here? Sure, why not? right. The reaction, even this special Wednesday edition, is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio. Uh, News on that coming soon as well, people. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, as well as Jack of Many Trades at Black Diamond Wrestling. In addition, I am the creator and curator of the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook group, which is... Somewhere that uh, a lot of the guys that you hear on the reaction, myself, Tony, and Jimmy C included, we give our everyday thoughts in regards to pro wrestling, and not just our thoughts on this particular tele- episodic television show that we talk about every Monday and or Wednesday. I am stumbling all over the place. I think that I think the early time slot has me thrown. <laughs> like I'm used to having eaten dinner by now, having gotten something to drink, maybe worked on a snack. I haven't eaten dinner yet, and I'm thrown by this. All right, anyways, moving on. Uh, Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about what you do over at 411, except for this week because of, you know, technical difficulties.
1: Man, yeah, that was horrible. Anyways, yeah, I do the weekly raw report. Um, There is some more stuff coming from me in the coming year that I'm excited about, and I believe that you guys will be excited about as well. Um, I'm going to be showing uh, post-weekly pictures of my weight loss. No, I'm kidding. Um, the uh, the Raw report is something that I do every week. I, I There were parts of me that decided to not do it next year, but I'm not going to lie to you. We haven't found anybody that's as good as I am, so I'm just going to keep the truck rolling <laughs> until I do. Um, I mean, Larry, you know, Sonka, he took over for me uh, the second half of Raw because I couldn't continue to watch it. And, you know, even he just can't touch what I do, so... I. I I I think it would be a disservice to the fans if I just stopped doing it.
0: I like Larry. I just, his writing doesn't have a whole lot of personality at times.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the the reason why I would say is that the raw recap itself is supposed to be cut and dry. Like, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But since I don't listen... And I find a particular um, boredom in doing just that. The Raw report has really become my own column, per se. Um, but recently, and I'm talking just in the past few months, I've, I've seen more and more about Raw being either complained about or shunned or talked about to the point where I think I have a little bit more to say. And that's, that's why there's going to be a change next year that I'm really excited about.
0: Yes, definitely news coming on that front, uh, Jimmy. Anything you want to plug here, real quick? I'm the world fat ass champion.
1: Yes, you are.
0: Greeting me and meeting me is probably the greatest honor you'll ever have in life. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. We're all happy. moving on. We're having way too much fun with this. All right. um... I'm actually looking through the raw report right now to see if there's anything specifically we need to touch on for Quick Hits here. And I see a couple of things, so we'll get to them in a second. But the one thing I do want to plug before we get into Quick Hits here is, so, Jimmy, Greg DeMarco, who I understand you're a great DeMarco guy, Tony.
1: I am a great DeMarco guy. How do I become a Greg Tony. DeMarco guy? I'm not at liberty to say Oh, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's
0: a I, I, cool little party that I'm not invited to. That's fine. I'll just have my own party. I think you might have to talk to Greg about that rather than Tony. Tony's just the president of the fan club. Greg's the guy in charge. Oh, he's a front man. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, yeah, Tony is his misdal. Oh, geez, that's just what Greg needs is a stunt man running around.
2: Greg had a radio
0: show first, Tony got one after him.
2: Greg, right,
0: had Greg had a call on Greg had a call on one four one one, Tony piggybacked. <laughs> There's a recurring
1: theme here, Otero. Yeah, there is. Greg and i a right, show the one thing, together um, we're I think it was like people. a year a a year ago and um It started off with him really helping, and then he just started pointing fingers, and I was the one doing it, and I saw what was happening, and I took it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, real quick, though. As I mentioned, Greg, Tony, Jimmy, and I are all part of the Yes group on Facebook, and coming either, I would imagine probably next week, once we get everything finalized, will be the first annual Yesies. Our year-end awards show, where we uh, we open the vote up to everybody, both listeners of the reaction and anybody on the page itself that maybe doesn't listen. If you're not, you should. Although, if they're not listening, they're not going to hear this anyway, so what's the point? Regardless. It'll be our chance to correct the injustices of the slammies a couple weeks ago, because, God help us, there were some stupid fucking Slammy winners last week. <laughs> Language. Yeah, well, you know. Believe me. Uh, day, I don't correct. disagree with you. So, anywho, we will have the uh, the first-ever Yesies coming towards you guys probably beginning of next week. We'll probably take a break for Christmas Day because, obviously, most people aren't going to be around on Christmas Day anyway. So, But we do hope to have the Yesies coming to you sometime within the next seven days. All right, you guys ready to get into some quick hits? Sure. Yeah. All right, let me find the soundbite.
2: Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. Bang. All right, so actually I
0: had something written down for quick hits, and then I realized I'm kind of covering that in the hits, so I'm going to go ahead and skip over it. Um, Bellas versus Alicia and Natalia. Natalia the new number one contender? If so, thoughts?
1: Um... Well, I guess I don't really care about anything now that AJ doesn't have the title. No, realistically, um, I I feel that, I've said it before, I've I've talked about it in the past, that the Divas title is essentially a one-note belt that has become simply AJ and that's it. And I believe that as much as I love the girl, that is more of a detriment to the title than anything else. So having someone new involved um, is welcomed completely. Uh the issue that I have, of course, is that it's, it still includes the Bellas. Um, I don't know where they're going with it. I don't think they know where they're going with it. But this title really needs, no matter where it goes from now until like a month or so, it is not going to touch the, the heights that AJ brought it to. It's, it's like she was the queen of the mountain, but there was no one even trying to meet her at her level. The Bellas are a completely different beast. They're not wrestlers. They're entertainers. Natalia is a wrestler with an entertainment facade. I think that if they bring her to that forefront, then we're going to get something new that we may be able to latch on to. AJ doesn't need the title. There's a lot of signs of her eventually leaving. Um, it would be best if she even like, tried to do something legitimate with Paige without the belt even being involved. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, as far as Natty being the number one contender, if that is the case, then I'll welcome it. If it isn't, then we're still at a standstill as far as Divas title goes. Jimmy, um, if it's true that Natty
0: is the number one contender, uh, I'm very excited about that because I think, obviously, as Tony said, she's a wrestler first, but also an entertainer second. As long as well as having Tyson Kidd in her corner. Um, she has been known to play the jealous woman, girlfriend, wife before, and they hinted that Tyson will be hitting on Bellas perhaps in the future, or at least speaking to them, I don't actually know. There's some sort of weird storylines being developed as far as wrestlers' wives that are also workers, but I'll, I'll get into that at another time, another place.
2: Like no, you actually
0: raise a very yeah. valid point there, because with them doing that bit with Nikki, with Tyson Kidd checking on Nikki after the, uh, after the tag match on Raw, they're already doing a similar storyline in regards to Jimmy Uso, Miz, and Naomi, so are they expecting fans to not notice how similar the story arches are there, or is this just another case in Tyson's quest to continuously upstage Natalia? See, I'm wondering if it's not a little bit of both. And the biggest problem I have with it is, why should anyone care about this? Oh, wait, because it's on Total Divas. And that's what it all comes back to. They're basing storylines off of a reality show, which to me is not creative. Creative team, and I know Tony mentioned it before about not being creative, but if this doesn't scream, hey, you're not being creative, you're literally taking what's on TV on another show and you're putting it in your show and your storylines, then that is not creative in the least
1: bit. And I guess that Tony already touched on it, but this screams it. Go ahead, Tony. Get yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the questioning of whether you're trying to sell your wrestling product or trying to sell your reality TV show product. Whenever the Divas are on the show, with the exception of AJ or any actual person that isn't on Total Divas, then you know that this is more of a show for that show than it is for actual raw wrestling or even, even we'll use Vince's terminology, even sports entertainment. Um, when you watch a Divas match that has Total Divas involved, you will see the ticker at the bottom say Total Divas. You will hear Cole tell you when it is on and what is going on with the show. You will see the divas that are involved with the show in the ring. It is a blatant and obvious commercial for the reality show, and I'm not 100% sure why. <clears throat> not to can mention, can I also
2: bring
1: to not- up, um, I'm sorry, Harry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I
0: just wanted to bring up. One thing I know that the Total Divas season is coming up because they played that really, really slutty commercial at the pay-per-view, and they played it again last night on Raw. And I'm sorry, not SmackDown during SmackDown and Monday Night during Raw. I just wanted to get your guys' opinions on that. Like, are they? It's like Tony just said. Are they playing to their reality show product or are they playing to their wrestling product? And I wanted to get your guys' opinions on that
1: too. Uh, in
0: regards to the uh, in regards to the commercial that they're using for it, they're definitely aiming towards the reality show there because you know, for a fact that they won't let the women dress like that on the television show anymore.
1: Man, I wish. <laughs> yeah,' it's, it's a um, i don't I don't know what kind of deal they have. This is obviously money. This is um, this is reality show. It's one of the highest rated e shows that you know exists. It's um, it's consistent, I guess, in their numbers, regardless of what those numbers are. And uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, that they're going that avenue because they feel that that's what brings more money to the table. Um, they are a worldwide conglomerate. You've heard Vince talk about all this stuff. Their, their hands are in everything. They're not specifically a wrestling show. So right now you're seeing um, divas. Both the title itself and the the actual females being used for a completely different avenue than you've seen even five years ago, six years ago. The wrestlers that are coming up, the 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 NXT females, the ones that AJ mentioned, they're still in it for the wrestling. The ones that even Marie isn't a wrestler, and she knows that. And. Nikki and, and Brie, you said it, we had a conversation in a group chat earlier that Nikki has improved immensely. Yeah, you know, like, but compared to what? <laughs> compared to what and how long has it taken to get there? Um, so it, it's, it's just a completely, it's a complete alteration in the product direction of the, of the female wrestler, capital letters. Like, they're just changing the avenue in which these women are taking um, the problem is they try to show us that they can still put on a match, and that's just what how, – how many minutes do females get? The longest female match that I've seen was on NXT in years. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Star- I agree with that. Charlotte and Sasha went about 14 minutes at the uh, Our Evolution show, whereas this tag match where you're also trying to promote your reality show goes two. Yeah, that, that match couldn't have gone more than five. No, it was two minutes, bell to bell. Was wow. it really? I didn't even think it was yeah. that short. Holy moly. And, that, right. and it's continue a shame. It, it's a shame. I'm Go sorry. I, I know you want to continue. It's just a shame. It's like you want to develop these women workers, and you're giving them two-minute matches, and you're just plugging the show, and you're just you're not doing anything. You're not making your product better. You're not increasing the value of the product When people see the demons on the TV now, everybody gets up and goes, well, there's the filler, time for a bathroom break, time to get some uh, food, time to watch some, you know, illicit videos. It it gets to the point where women wrestling is no longer going to be taken serious because they don't take it seriously on a professional level.
2: Nope. I'm done. I think it's going to be
0: this way... I think it's going to be this way until we get the call-up of the new crop, until we get the call-up of the Charlottes, of the Baileys, the actual rebirth and reusage of somebody like Emma, the call-up of Asasha Banks, because given what we saw those those two ladies do at uh, at our Evolution there, if that's what the future of the WWE Divas division holds, and God knows it's probably not, because they'll never get 14 minutes on a WWE pay-per-view. But if that's what the future of the WWE division holds, then there's a reason to be excited about it back towards the time when it was Ivory, it was Jazz, it was Molly, it was Trish, it was Lita. You had all these women on the roster that could work and weren't just pretty faces, even though they were attractive women. Now it's going to be the case here, hopefully, where it's Paige, it's Emma, it's Charlotte, it's Sasha, it's bailey all attractive women who can go inside of the ring as well. They're not just pretty faces, they're also wrestlers. See, the only problem I have for that theory, Harry, not that i think you're wrong, and nor do I hope that you're wrong, because I really hope you're right. My problem with that whole scenario is you could have said that eight months ago and gone, man, wait till Paige get call- gets called up. Wait till Emma gets called up. Wait till, you know, the working women get called up. And when those two got called up, they got put right back down. Paige? She no longer exists. Emma no longer exists. AJ? Well, Paige she is got gonna it... be on I'm sorry, what? Paige is gonna be on Tombo Divas season three, so she'll probably start existing again real soon. But that is the problem, is it not? These no, women women that I mean the cream of the crop of the Divas division in NXT were Paige and Emma. They got called up and they immediately got shit on and put back down and who knows what they're doing right now but yet they're they're still going to put the Bellas out there who can't work out of a wet paper bag. They can't work. Uh, they're still going to throw out, uh, uh, you know, insert random person here. They're going to put a – I mean, Naomi's increase is probably the best athlete in the women's division, bar none. Uh, yeah, sorry, Tony,
1: not putting AJ up there. No offense oh, to her. She's I, probably second or third. I don't know what you said. I just blanked out when you said, sorry, Tony. AJ. That's all right. We'll have that argument <laughs> another time.
2: Uh,
0: shall we move on with quick hits? Yeah. Sure. Poor Divas uh, division. Move on. Yeah. Be- before we uh, before we move on to the next quick hit, we just spent more time on the Divas division than they did on Raw on Monday. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the highlight reel with Chris Jericho and his guest, Rusev. Uh, I'm not touching specifically on the interaction between Jericho and Rusev because I know Tony wanted to do that here, but I'm going to touch on the man that came and made the approximate save for Jericho here in regards to Ryback. Do we have any interest in a Ryback-Rusev feud?
1: Um, I'm interested to see who they decide to put on top. Because these are both people that have been built to be monsters, undefeated, unbeatable, and... Favorites, um, just in general. I mean, favorites as far as, uh, well, you know, uh, Ruth is is a favorite, even if he's a heel. He's the heel that you're like, yes, he's he's the heel that you want. (laughs) Um, And um, Ryback is slowly growing into um, favor of the fans once again. So I'm interested to see who they decide is the more important person. That's really all that my interest lies in.
0: To answer your question about who they'll put put on top, I guess Lana would like to be on top in that situation. However mm-hmm. right. um, Yeah, I I I don't believe in having decorum. Come back, bad news, Barrett, we miss you. Uh the Ryback Rusev, I don't really have too much interest in it to be honest. Um I think Ryback is improving, but then, you know, having to deal with a Very, very subpar chairs match with Kane at TLC. And then just not even having any interaction on Monday, getting punked out on Tuesday. I just, nah, I'm not interested in it. The storytelling is there so far, so maybe they'll work my interest into it. But right now, I'm just kind of, meh. Ladies and gentlemen, can I have some decorum, please? God, I miss him so much, guys. There's my pick to win the Rumble right now. He's going <laughs> to come back and surprise us all. Oh,
1: brother.
0: All right, anyways, um, in regards to Ryback, i got to say I'm actually kind of excited to see where they go with this one because these are two bigger guys who, when given the proper time to tell a story, actually have put on some relatively decent matches for men their size. I don't think anybody saw Rusev coming. Well, maybe not, No, I'm not going to make that joke. Stop. Moving on. No.
2: I don't think anybody saw
0: Rusev... I don't believe anybody saw Rusev developing into the talent that he has so far. He's been putting on meaningful match after meaningful match, even if they've been kind of squashy, like the match with Swagger was at the TLC event. They've still been meaningful in that they have the crowd's reaction behind them. And Ryback is a guy that, now that they've gotten him away from this comedy tag-jobber gimmick that he was doing with Curtis Axel, who God help him! Everything he touches turns to shit, which is weird because so everything I'm hoping, his father touched turned to gold. Yeah, he's like he's like the anti-Hennig. Anyway, he really is. How can you be a Hennig but be an anti-Hennig? That guy. We got to figure something out for him. It, it could be worse. He still could be trying to promote the Genesis of McGillicuddy.
2: Well, oh, that was for you, Tony. Bad, bad. <laughs>
0: But anyways, in regards to Ryback and Rusev, these are two of the best-built guys on the roster right now. And I don't mean that in terms of their physical stature, although both men are very well put together in terms of their gym regimens and their conduct inside of the ring. But I mean in the way that they've been booked. And that Ryback's, I think, only dropped one fall since his return. And Rusev has yet to be pinned or submitted inside of the ring. So these are two of the most protected guys on the roster. So it'll be curious to see... Where they go from here, and what happens in regards to who they decide to have come out of this feud looking better, and even if they decide to do any kind of a clean, any kind of a clean involvement in regards to the finish on this feud at all? Because I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to go the route of not having a clean ending to this feud at all whatsoever. Hmm. All right, let's move on here. Uh, another match that didn't get a whole lot of time, but I want to talk about it due to the ringside crew for it. Uh, Adam Rose and Kane, it was very nice to see Jimmy Jacobs on roll. <laughs> One of I, the most underrated talents in the business
1: the uh the whole Adam Rose thing is just it's it's neither I, I, I if it never showed up again, it wouldn't bother me um basically if I never saw the bunny humping dead air. I never saw Adam Rose doing what he does and it wouldn't bother me and it's a shame because Adam Rose shows little snippets of humor of timing of comedic timing and just in general like when he when Kane was in the bag he's like oh look it's Kane that's hilarious (laughs) But, but that's that's all he has and then and then he just falters back and nothing happens um so I, I don't, I don't really care either way. As far as the commentary team, I think the less said about them, the better, because I don't want to start a long rant on what is supposed to be a quick hit.
0: <laughs> oh no, we can get into the commentaries in at a later time. Um, Jimmy, did I miss your thoughts? I got disconnected for a second. Did you give anything in regards to Rosenkaine? No, I don't. <laughs> Once again, Kane is one of those guys that I've had a ton of respect for over the years, but I think it's about time that he should step aside and become a teacher of the younger generation because this guy has a ton
1: of information to give. He's been in the business 20 years. Listen to the man. He's, like, slowing down um, with every um, match that he has, you know? He, yeah.
0: I'm beginning to think that we're seeing the twilight here, honestly. And there's talk that he wants to get involved in politics, too, so I don't really know how much longer he's actually going to be around the WWE either. Um, I will say that I think this was Greg DeMarco's favorite match on on this episode of Monday Night Raw. Did you happen to check out who three of the the Rosebud girls were there, Tony?
1: Oh, yeah, I did. I saw them all, and I, I let them know that I'm very proud of them. (laughs)
0: Scarlett <laughs> Bordeaux, um, Heidi Lovelace, and Taylor Hendricks, all the Marquettes, yes,
1: they are. were
0: part of, part of Adam Rose's entourage for this particular episode of Monday Night Raw. And as well, again, on Super SmackDown, when they had the rematch, and Rose got obliterated again, and the Bunny took yet another tombstone. Is this the end of the Bunny? The end of the Bunny, I would say, not yet. I just have a feeling they're going to try to either run that into the ground and take it to Mania, or, I mean, if they do, I think he'll be an entrant in the Rumble, and I think someone will take off the head, and it'll reveal who it is, and it'll start a storyline from there. Oh, God, I really hope they don't do King versus the Bunny at WrestleMania. I don't think that they would do that to Kane. I really, really think they have more respect for him than that. You would hope so. All right, last thing on Quick Hits here. Uh, We touched on it briefly in regards to when we were talking about the Divas tag match earlier. Uh, The singles match between Miz and Jimmy Uso. All right, stunt double awesomeness aside here. What are your guys' thoughts on the fact that they're actually giving a more condescending and kind of douchey character role for Miz here? As well as they're actually acknowledging the relationship between Jimmy and Naomi beyond the Total Divas show, and actually using it to help get Naomi a more
1: important factor into the show itself. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with um, with them giving a little bit more credence to a storyline. And Miz is a perfect person to uh, bounce off of as far as being the douche. He's got the lips for it. Um, in return to the, uh, <clears throat> in, in regards to the, um, the uh, this is one of those things where Total Divas may have been the springboard, but it isn't necessarily the reason. I mean, we could have easily found out that they got married, regardless of the show. You know, this isn't infiltrating the show with their marital problems, at least I, I don't think, um, more so than, it's, in other words, it's more focused on Raw than it is on Total Divas. This is a storyline that is focused around the titles. As well as actual animosity between two wrestlers, um, so I'm 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 enjoying it thoroughly, and it also sh- is planning seats for the eventual Sandow versus Miz match, which I don't know whether it's coming to WrestleMania or not, but it looks like it, and uh, that 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 is another. It's very sad to see a storyline like this on the same show as a storyline like the Bunny.
2: Uh, as far
1: as, yeah, as far as the storyline,
0: I like the storyline. I I agree that it's not as focused on Total Divas as what I'm sure the Bell is and Natty story with Tyson think it will be. And I I hate the frickin' bunny, I do. And I hate that it's on the same show as something like The Miz, who is an artist on the mic right now. He's really playing this whole story with between him. Naomi and Jimmy, very well. And the whole story is being told extremely well. I just wonder, I hope they don't end it too quickly simply for the virtue of being able to get into Miz versus Miz now too fast. I think Mm -hmm. right now they've got a nice balance going between, you know, the Uso storyline and... I mean, they're starting to hint at Mizdow possibly standing up to Miz eventually because, you know, he did the thing where he shoved uh, Mizdow in front of him to take the suicide from Uso the other night. And then, uh, you know, he's he's been doing a few, li- just little hints here, here and there, getting mad at him over stuff and, you know, make sure you mimic me, not the Uso. And I hope that they don't just decide to quickly write off the Uso Miz Stuff, and just to get into Mizdale Miz, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. My only thing is, is I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're going to be capable of keeping the Miz Jimmy and Naomi storyline going once they go into the split for Miz and Mizdale. Because I don't think that they've shown anything recently that says that they have the chops to keep this kind of a thing going. Yeah, the continuity has definitely been a problem. I'd like to be wrong, but I don't think that I am. All right, I think that's all we got for quick hits. Uh you guys ready to talk about Raw some more? Yep. Yes. All right. Two major returns. One actually occurred at TLC and then carried over the next night into Raw, and then one actually on Raw it was the first time we've seen him since September. Uh Tony, do you want to do, do you want to do Roman or or Brock first?
1: Um, let's do Brock. Uh, there's a, uh, All right. well, obviously Brock, yeah, go ahead. Well,
0: if you want to do the, if you want to do the description here, I'll do the description for ranges.
1: Okay. Um, you know, Jericho was the GM for Raw. It was a nice little, also another return, sort of. Um, um, it was cool to see he was on SmackDown, he was here. It was, it's, it's, i Jericho's always cool. Um. So, he, Heyman, he told Heyman he owed him 200 bucks. It led into a match later in the show. During the beginning of that match, uh, Heyman tried to pay him off and then decided, you know, Jericho didn't take it. So, the match was set. It was going to be a street fight. It was going to go ha- uh, happen. Brock Lesnar is announced. He comes out without the title, and he's Brock Lesnar. He goes in there, blocks a code breaker and some forearms and beats Jericho like nothing and then walks away. Um... That's it. And then later on at the main event, we've got Rollins versus Cena in a cage match, and uh, Brock shows up Save. again. Save that for later, Tony. We're going to be touching on okay. that a little bit later on in the show. All right, well, Brock returns. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want this to be a negative on, oh, Brock never shows up, blah, blah, blah. I'm still I'm still okay with him not being there. Um, I, I can see the negatives about it. I can also see that, you know, how how it's a bit hypocritical that Brian could have been gone to and blah blah blah. But there's a lot more to that that I, I something I'll probably end up talking about in writing rather than on the radio. But if we're to highlight his return here, a lot the biggest complaint people had was that he wasn't wearing his title, that it was more disrespect, that it was this, that, and whatever. I wanna be a little bit more positive and say that Brock's the only dude that could do this. Like that could show up fuck up Chris Jericho and walk out (laughs) and just be like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it's been a couple of months. I don't care. I'm going to do what I'm doing because he's about to hurt Heyman, which is the only person that Brock Lesnar protects. And then just leave.
0: Yeah, the main thing here is And I saw this written on uh, the John report. Uh, John Canton, who writes for his own personal website as well as nodq.com, which is kind of a similar site to Fall One. But I I read John's reports on occasion as well, and especially since yours was unavailable this week, Tony. And one of the things that that John said was that Brock has an aura about him that nobody else on the roster has, even when he's not around as often as he probably should be. And you had that exact aura in that segment right there with Chris Jericho there that Lesnar came in and took a well-known name like Jericho and basically made Jericho his bitch
1: yeah he did
2: <laughs> so
0: my uh my only thing about this though is that I worry that it's going to go it's not going to go anywhere because they're not going to have the proper time to do anything with it here but I think that a Brock and Jericho match could be fun going down the road. I just, I don't see them having the time to do anything with it.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they're going to do anything with it. Um, uh, they, they that's a program that is great in our minds, but not on the table for them. Um, Brock Lesnar is essentially, his his time has almost expired. They did the experiment. I'm sure it worked in their mind. It may not have worked out in the fans' minds. This will go back um WWE will go back to the status quo uh without Brock pretty soon and um what they do then is, is their biggest problem but I don't I guess we'll see when we get there
0: Jimmy your thoughts on Brock Jericho and in general the return of Brock Lesnar I mean I kind of foresaw it happening myself i was sitting there watching Raw I, I knew that nothing was going to happen to Heyman I mean, I said to myself at the beginning of the show, I don't think anything's going to happen to Heyman Fandango. I was saying Fandango was going to make the save all night, uh, and it turned out that Brock was actually there after someone named Harry told me that he probably wasn't there, so I just changed my thought pattern. (laughs) I I, I I get one wrong, and I never hear the end of it.
1: Yeah, the moment the match was made is the moment that I knew Brock was there.
0: Speaking of the Speaking match of being the made, match. can someone please explain to me the purpose of the WWE app when it pertains to picking one of three matches that are all virtually the same thing?
1: Yeah, I've I've had the same thought. <laughs>
2: all
1: right, well I'm and going this, to and take. This is you not to the break- first time. This is not the first time
2: that they've done those and three. This-
0: In this particular match, I'm going to take you to Greg DeMarco's thought process here. The GM for tonight was Chris Jericho, or for Monday was Chris Jericho. Theoretically speaking, the GM makes the uh, match selections for the app, and Jericho wanted Heyman to get his ass beat. So why wouldn't Jericho select three different match types? that, While all basically the same, ensured that Heyman would get what was coming to him if Jericho didn't know that Lesnar was in the building. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I get that and that's fine. That's my line of thinking in regards to it anyways. I mean, that's how that's how Greg explained it to me and it made sense to me.
2: No, it does. It makes
0: enough sense at first until I go, "Oh, wait, there's this big cage hanging over them. He could have just used that." <laughs> You're going to tell me, me the Paul Riss is going to climb his way out of that? Oh Or right, Brock's not going to get in either, too. That would have worked on multiple levels. But no, nah, they didn't think that far ahead.
1: Maybe right. it's like an unwritten rule that
0: they're all about to have one cage match on per episode of Raw.
1: Right. No, that's fine. And I understand Greg's thought. And I'm trying
0: to become a Greg tomorrow guy, so I'll just let it go. <laughs> He's using the hashtag on Facebook too. I am. Uh, all right. What about the? Uh, let's get real quick, briefly into the uh, the second return here, because it's not quite as not quite as time consuming, and not nearly as lasting of an impact. And we question where it's going, coming out of it too. One. So this is a three part statement here. The other return that we had, and actually it was his official return to towards in-ring competition with the previous night at TLC when he made the save in the aforementioned tables match. And I am referring, of course, to Roman Reigns. We saw Roman Reigns in an actual physical contact situation on an episode of Monday Night Raw for the first time since the night before he went into the hospital for his hernia, I believe. And that the um, Jimmy mentioned Fandango. And Fandango came out right after the jericho Heyman segment where Lesnar's return happened and was bragging about how instead of it being Raw is Jericho, it's now Raw was Jericho. And while Fandango was about to expand upon his theory, that's when Roman Reigns' music hit. And Reigns came down, Superman punched Fandango, and then got into it with the big show. The question that Tony posed to me in the the format for this particular episode of The Reaction is, is Big Show the Right Choice for Roman Reigns? And I'm going to answer your question here by giving you a little bit of a history lesson that I'm sure both of you guys will probably know, but towards newer fans of the product, they may not. I want to take you guys back to 2003. And the man that we just talked about, Brock Lesnar, is penciled in to win the Royal Rumble. But what better way to have Lesnar win the Royal Rumble than to overcome odds against him going into the Royal Rumble match? So at the Royal Rumble in 2003, in the very first match on the card, Brock Lesnar faces the Big Show, where the winner of that match moves on to the Royal Rumble, and the loser does not. Now, Lesnar also got a favorable draw in the Rumble itself, but seeing Lesnar dominate Big Show en route to that Rumble match made his victory in the Rumble match itself have all that much more credence. So my thought to that is if it worked for Big Sh- if it worked for Lesnar in regards to using Big Show as the stepping stone, why won't it work for Reigns? Cuz that, that was 11 years ago. <laughs> People feared Big Show you- back then. So you're saying that Big Show does not work as Roman Reigns' foil at this particular time I don't think so because I just I look at it and I say oh it's Big Show yeah they put him over Rowan in the stairs match and you know he looks strong every once in a while and yes he's still the world's largest athlete or at least that's the way they're billing him and I just say to myself but is this the one where if Roman you know defeats the Big Show is he the one Is he for sure going to be that guy? And at this point in his career, I say no. I think he needs another, I don't know, per se, stepping stone. Right now, Big Show is also all kind of in the same boat as Caden. And I said this last week, he's more on his way out the door. Um, You know, and Roman's coming up. He's going to be there for the next, you know, five, ten years. And so you say to yourself, does Roman need the big show to even be that stepping stone on his way to the Rumble
1: and via WrestleMania?
0: I say no. Tony,
1: your thoughts? There, <clears throat> There is a lot of hatred for Roman Reigns right now, and it, this is another one of those topics where I feel I have a lot to say about it, uh, simply because I don't fully understand how you can dislike someone who has been gone. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't even been able to prove that he knows how to wrestle or doesn't know how to wrestle. However, if you are at a spot where you're teetering with the fandom, the last person you want to be in the ring with is the Big Show because he's too slow. And fans latch on not to slow, methodical, techni- technical matches. They latch on to oohs and ahs and powerful moves. Now, I, I can see how Big Show can work If uh, Reigns is able to spear the dude, knock him out, pick him up, I don't see Reigns being able to pick up Big Show, first of all. Um, And if he does, what move is he going to use? I don't see Reigns using a lot of moves that allow you to pick someone up. So Big Show is that type of person where if you want to impress the fandom, then you use him by incredible strengths, incredible feats, incredible notions of, of strength like Cena, being able to give him an AA. It always looks really impressive. Um, what we saw on Raw was Big Show essentially take a Superman punch and brush it off. Um, so what does that mean for Reigns? You know, I get that they're trying to make sure that this match is almost on an even keel, but if you want Reigns to be powerful, you have to squash Big Show. You're not going to squash Big Show because he's the Big Show. So, no, for a number of reasons, those ones that I've listed. Also, the fact that I think that it would be a really slow match that would show a lot of Reigns' weaknesses and that would make him look worse than better, um, I think that Big show is the incorrect foil, regardless of the history behind it. Um, if you're trying to build Reigns as something uh, credible, something worth seeing, I'm not saying throw them out there and give him the squash matches left and right. I really dislike squash matches, but at the same time, Fandango taking a spear looks way more badass than Big Show taking a spear.
0: Fandango's able to give you that crazy ooh and ah where he fell off of it like he did on SmackDown where he took the spear and then bounced off the canvas and landed on his stomach. Pretty much. All right, I can understand where you guys are coming from here. I just, I look at the history of it, and I think that maybe there might be something towards giving Reigns the win-over show at the Rumble in order to get into the Rumble match itself. Because honestly, I remember what happened at the Rumble in 2003, but how many current fans are watching right now that were watching back then? All right. I understand. Uh, We are running way over, actually. (laughs) But... All right, we have, we have extra time to record after the show goes off the air officially. So let's go ahead and get into the second do here. And, Tony, I know you said this is going to be a lengthy one.
1: Yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to shorten it up because I don't want to go too much over the overrun. I still have a lot to do um, outside of talking about wrestling. But the do number two is um, in regards to this entire argument. It's, a, it's about Raw, but it's about the grand scope of Raw. The entire argument of NXT versus Raw. I've seen a lot of comments. I've seen a lot of memes, a lot of images, a lot of comparisons, YouTube videos about how this versus this is just not blah, blah, blah. Um, um, and I'm sorry, but the argument itself is completely invalid, in my opinion. Um, and I wanted to give an example by way of one of the restaurants that I work at. Um, it is th- there's, This place is called Hambone. The original one opened up about three years ago. And it is about, I want to say, five minutes down the road from where I work now. The owner of both of them um, has the first one, which is the original one. And they did really well. They made a profit. And then they kind of changed their mindset where they simply do not want to grow. They don't want to be bigger than what they are. They're fine with their complacency, with their crowd, with their base of customers that come in all the time. And that's that. So the owner split with the partner and opened the second restaurant. His mindset is, I want to be bigger than Lucille's, which is a chain of barbecue restaurants and blah, 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 blah. He's already opening a third one. He is growing. He is organically growing, and he likes the crew that he has. He teaches them on a daily basis, including myself as a bartender. And he wants that core group to learn and to train for future restaurants. Okay? So... And in, in, in to put this into perspective, we have the original restaurant, which is essentially WWE, who has a particular fan base that they're catering to. And then we have the second restaurant, which is NXT, full of young, fresh, hungry people that have the same dream that the owner has of that store to grow, to be something big, and to be, be amazing. By comparison alone, they are not the same product anymore. They may have the same... They, they may sell the same shit, but they don't have the same mentality. NXT is not Raw. Raw is not NXT. Maybe eventually NXT will be, and that's a different topic that Greg kind of mentioned uh, recently, but that's not how I compare the two. NXT, uh, if, if Revolution was a pay-per-view, then it had exactly what it needed to have. There was no storyline You know, there was no excessive interviews. It was wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And when there was an interview or a segment, if you want to call it that, it was very minute, very small. Raw is essentially a commercial for itself. NXT is only trying to sell wrestling. So they're completely different products that you simply can't compare. And to say that NXT lit a fire under the staff or the the wrestlers of Raw, I don't believe that for a second either. Um, I don't think that the, the Raw roster watched NXT and said, man, I really need to step it up. Because the, the WWE Raw roster feels like they're doing everything they can do. The difference is they don't have what NXT has. or if, if I can put it in different words, they have way more than NXT has. NXT has brass tacks, has barely anything, and rightfully so. So they work with what they can Raw has way too much. It has three hours. It has people they have to cater to. It has marketing. It has excessive commercialism, a bloated roster, a horrible writing team full of way too many people, and just a, it's a completely different product. So to to basically shut up anyone that's comparing the two, not you can compare them because they're selling the same thing, but by saying that Raw is not as good or that NXT blue raw out the water or blue TLC out the water. I can't stand by that argument simply because they're different, way too different to compare. Um, you want to compare wrestlers. I think that Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper could pull off a match just as good as, as anybody on NXT. I think that AJ and Paige can do a match better than Charlotte and, um, and, and Sasha Banks. I think that, all of them. All of the comparisons are superfluous because they're not selling the same thing. And I really just wanted to put that out there, whether it be on the radio show or in writing, because it's one of those things where I see our yes, yes, yes page, and and I see things being said, and I and another thing is Cena hatred, and how I I, I despise people that hate Cena, even though that I'm the one that I'm one of the biggest Cena haters, if you will, because of the way it's, it's being portrayed. But us, as the moderators of Yes, 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 I see more and more arguments losing traction because they're, they're more emotional than logical. And if there's one argument that I wanted to touch on tonight that has anything to do with Raw, it would be that one. Period. Signed. Tony. Wow.
0: That was good. <laughs> that was very impressive. And very right. I don't know. I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to respond to that. And the thing is, is he's he's exactly right in regards to the comparison between the main roster and the NXT roster in that the main roster and specifically the people behind writing the episodes of Raw and SmackDown and superstars and main event that make TV, well, maybe not so much main event because main event's on the network, so it's kind of self-contained. But Raw and SmackDown, they have so many different bosses to cater to in regards to the TV executives and the commercial executives and the people that are sponsoring the program, the people that are buying advertising during the program, and the stuff that they get kind of last minute, like in regards to the uh, Twisted Tea stuff that we saw a while back that we all bashed on. It's just they have to work all this stuff into the course of the show there, whereas... As you said, NXT's main goal here, and this is something that was brought up before as well, is NXT is the IWC's darling because of the fact that a lot of the guys that the IWC followed when they were in Ring of Honor, when they were in other independent promotions, PWG, AAW, IWA Mid-South, whatever you want to have, this is their chance to see these guys and on a a chance to see them on a a weekly televised show for less than they would pay for a PWG DVD or for an IWA Mid-South DVD or an AAW DVD. (laughs) NXT is catered towards the internet wrestling fans, the ones that wouldn't normally buy the network. But because they have a product of such high quality, the IWC fans that wouldn't have normally gotten the network in regards to all the old pay-per-views and stuff get it in order to see their favorites. They're Sami Zayn's, the former El Genericos, They're Adrian Neville's, the former Pac. Um, Drake Younger, who works for NXT, is a ref. Uh, Sarah Amato, the former Sarah Del Rey, who's working as the trainer with the women down there and is responsible for what we saw between Charlotte and Sasha on Thursday night. So I can completely understand where Tony's coming from here in regards to how you can't really compare the two rosters, despite the fact that we may want to. There is no logical comparison in regards to the products that they both put out. I think it also has a lot to do with... uh different fan bases for these shows. And I know you both touched on it a little bit, but let's remember, like Harry just said, the IWC is mainly the NXT fan base. Those are the guys that are very big into the indies. They're very big into the super indie guys. And the names that are eventually going to be brought up, they want to get ahead of the curve. And now that these guys that they've been watching forever are getting called up to NXT, which is formerly FCW Now they're like, oh, well, they're the big time now, but I knew who they were before, and now I'm excited to watch them, as opposed to the WWE, who is still catered towards the same audience it always has been. And it just goes to show why, that's just another reason why it would be different, in my opinion, at least, is just the amount of nonsense, the middle-aged, you know, person as opposed to the children and such that WWE uh, more you know pans toward. The guys that are on social media, those are the guys that are watching these super indie guys all over the world all the time. Those are the big wrestling fans that watch the indies and what have you. Another thing in regards to this here, though, is you have to question how concerned the WWE is going to be about the declining ratings. And I say this because I go on... The former 411 guy, Scott Keith, who left 411 under, I assume, less than acrimonious terms. But he has his own page, uh, The Blog of Doom, which I frequent because there's several really good writers on there. And one of the things that he talked about was the fact that the rating from this particular Monday Night's Raw had, a, had a, a viewership of 3.53 million, which is the lowest for a non-holiday episode of Monday Night Raw since 1997.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, ratings has always been one of those things that I pay no attention to and everybody else pays a whole lot of attention to, including the WWE. At this point, judging by, looking back on the last couple of months, is uh, again, is the reason why I want to say so much about wrestling that we just don't have the time for. Um, You're seeing a lot of, of anger from wrestling fans. Um, based off of the podcast, based off of CM Punk's lockout, based off of Daniel Bryan's treatment, 2014 was a year of complaining. Um, And and since I've been in this, uh, if you want to call the IWC a business, since I've been writing for 411 for about five years now, I've been a wrestling fan for much longer. And and understanding the concept of the Internet as a whole, um, you're always going to be complaining. We wouldn't have a radio show if we didn't complain. If we sat here and talked about how great the product was, no one would listen to us because that's not what people want to hear. That's not why people watch the news. They don't care that a squirrel skis. They want to know who got bombed. Um, similar with wrestling, we, they want us to complain, you know, and um, that is essentially what we do. But this year, it seems like there's more and more complaints, less and less merit for the complaints, and it's, it's becoming really bothersome to me as a fan. Um so that's 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 the focal point of, of of what I'm going to attempt to to be to be hitting on. Um, as far as the ratings go, I think this is this is one of those issues where fans and we see it a lot. They're 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 complaining. There's a reason why they're turning off the TV or And we can blame the holidays. We can blame football when it's on. We can blame the dog shows back in the day. Whatever it may be. The reality is that the product simply is not what people want right now. And maybe, I don't know, but maybe fans are starting to show that in the only way that they can.
0: But I couldn't have said that any better myself. It's, it's kind of a mass tune-out in regards to letting them know that, hey, the direction that you're going is not a direction that we like. Rather or not that is or isn't the case is something that we can debate for, from now until the end of the year and even further, but that's just the way that I, I kind of view it, is that the mass exodus of fans over the course of the last couple of years is the WWE fans telling the company that whatever you're doing creatively right now isn't working for us. We want to see newer faces. We want to see bigger storylines. We want to see less hokiness in regards to some of our finishes and stuff too, like as uh, we mentioned at the top of the show. Just... Whatever it is that the WWE fans want, the WWE isn't giving to them, and that's why the numbers are so low. So we'll have to see whether these ratings rebound. I mean, obviously the next couple of weeks are going to be kind of skewed because they're Christmas week and New Year's week. So I would imagine the numbers are going to be a bit skewed for these two episodes, but we'll see what happens going forward.
2: Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the.
0: All right, I'm going to make this hit quick because, as I said, we are running way behind here, and I know Tony has plans and stuff that he needs to get done later this afternoon into this evening out there on the West Coast. Um, have they soured on Eric Rowan already? And the reason I question this is because back-to-back nights... First at the TLC pay-per-view in Cleveland, and then on Monday Night Raw in Detroit, Eric Rowan ate a pin from the Big Show. Now, I can understand that you want to keep Big Show strong for Roman Reigns to steamroll him, but was there a particular reason in having Eric Rowan eat these pins back-to-back nights? Are they off of the Eric Rowan bandwagon? Are they questioning whether or not there's going to be anything there for him, or is this just a case of the trial by fire that we've seen
1: before from so many different times for them? Um, I think it's a hierarchy. I think that as far as the food chain goes, and as far as big men go, big show is the one that they want to, um, highlight, not necessarily push, but be the monster. Um, one of the issues that WWE creative has is that they're unable to allow more than one person, um, on top. That's why you have a John Cena problem. Um, and if you were to scope it down to the big men, if you were to look at Luke Harper and, and, and Big Show and Rowan and all the other bigger guys, Big Show is the one that they want to be a big deal. Whether it's because they want to feed him to Reigns or not, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I wouldn't say that they soured on Rowan. I just simply think that they're not he's not their main priority right now, which is a shame. Uh, Jimmy?
0: Do we still have Jimmy? I
2: don't know.
1: Sounds like he's won Jimmy. Okay, well, he would probably say that he's the only monster that matters. He is the world's badass champion, and he would like it to stay that way.
2: Excuse me? There we go. We <laughs> we
1: asked
0: you twice for your opinion on this, and you didn't answer. We thought you know, we, we lost a growing things. Eric Rowan thing is a shame. That's all it is. It's one of those things where you know, they built him up real quick just to knock him back down. I think it's a bullshit move. I think it's the WWE's lack of creativity once again. The use of a old an old man as a monster gimmick for as in Big Show for Roman Reigns or whatever. But they don't they just don't know what to do with him. But they're willing to throw these boring, stale matches out at us continually, instead of pushing this younger, more exciting uh, the new youth, the new workers, the new guys that that are in there and you go, wow, can't wait to see him do that again. Uh, I don't know the last time I've seen Big Show do a spin kick, but I sure as hell like Eric Rowan's a whole lot more. And I guess that's just where I'm coming from.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, my only question my only question here is, is this going to be an example of the stop-start pushing that we used to see so much, so often in regards to Rowan? Like, where they get behind them for a little bit, and then obviously now they're cooling on them, and then they'll get behind them again for a little bit, and then they'll cool down again, and then they'll get behind you guys. Repeat verbatim, ad nauseum as well.
1: Yes. That's the answer.
0: Yes, or yes, yes. Now I'm not going to hit the sound effects, we're running late. All right. Um... <laughs> We'll get into this one real quick here because I actually kind of want to touch on this myself so um,
1: yeah, this is with uh, Jericho and Lana's interaction the the uh, what I wanted to touch on was the fact that it was more of a question where I remember during the attitude era uh, anything that Jericho said, I thought was hilarious. Um, and then I watched his promo against, uh, Lana. And although I found really a lot of it humorous and a lot of parts humorous, um, I don't know. Some of it was like, eh, that was a miss Jericho or, eh, that wasn't all that good. Um, and, and, and it was more of a, you know, is it because I'm older or because he wasn't all that spot on or simply because it's just the wrong time for, you know, that joke, or was it because that it wasn't as strong as bottom-beating trash bag hope? Like, I don't know, so I figured I'd ask you guys.
0: Honestly, I actually thought it was alright. I mean, it's, it's weird to see them finally publicly acknowledging the relationship between Lana and Rusev on television for the first time, but uh, I, this adds another level to the Rusev character that I don't think was there before. And Jericho is just the guy that can say stuff like this and get away with it. Jimmy? I did have a question. Did did Jericho call Lana a ring rat?
2: Did I say (laughs) that
0: right? It sure sounded like it. I'm pretty sure he said ring rat because me and the missus were both discussing that. And... As far as I know, he was playing, he was basically shoot interviewing them, from what I could tell. And I don't know why. I don't care why. I think it was stupid. I think it was just Jericho being Jericho. And I don't think it developed anything other than, uh, really, it didn't develop anything. It didn't make people hate him more, hate him less. It it didn't say anything. It didn't put Rusev over. It didn't make him look bad. And it's just it it didn't accomplish anything in my view. Yeah, I think the whole bit with Jericho and Lana and Rusev was just an end to a means to get us to the to what we discussed earlier in regards to lieback and Rusev. Yeah,
2: that which was why. It was I yeah,
0: like, which I, is fine. I just felt like the just, the promo in itself was too much was unnecessary. It was unwarranted. Alright, that's fair enough. Uh, we're actually into the post-show, so if you're listening live still, we thank you. Um, you can catch the reaction every Monday night at 11.30. We're running on a, special Tuesday, on a special Wednesday time slot. You see how screwed up I am? I just said it was Tuesday. We're running on a special Wednesday time slot this week in order to cover a couple bases uh tony had some issues with being able to watch the show i was in no way shape form or fashion ready to do the show on monday either having been in cleveland live for tlc and then watching raw i was kind of wrestling burnt out at that point anyways so tony kind of postponed it worked out well for me to give me a chance to catch my bearings but We're actually getting up to the last let's talk about Raw here, and Tony, I'll let you go ahead and start the discussion on this one because you kind of started to touch into it a little bit earlier, and I cut you off because we had this saved for this particular spot in the show. I mean, it's the last segment before we do the final reaction, so we might as well talk about the main event here, right?
2: Right. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, it it is specifically about the main event in regards to Seth Rollins versus John Cena in a cage match and and how it ended. Um, I believe that... Well, before I tell you what I believe, uh, essentially what happened was during the end of the match after numerous interruptions that simply did not help Seth Rollins at all, um, made Cena look like a monster to being able to just fight off, uh, two and a half men. Um, he, uh, he, and, um, I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar ended up coming down to, uh, basically demolish John Cena once again, um, hit him with a German and then just, you know, allowed Seth Rollins to win the match. Before that, what we saw was Seth Rollins shake the hand of Paul Heyman, which um, I feel should have been a big deal, but I don't really think it was, and I'm not, uh, again, I'm not sure why. This thing, it, it felt like the way that they were presenting it was this should have been a shock. This should have been one of Michael Cole's, oh my God, moments, and I'm sorry, just oh my. Um and it just wasn't. And I'm not sure if it's because this doesn't add much or maybe I just need to wait till next week. But um, what do you guys think? I think it was just Brock sending a message
0: to Cena. And I don't think we're gonna see anything further between Heyman and or yeah, between Heyman and Rollins until the potential interaction goes where Lesnar does leave the company and Rollins goes to cash in money in the bank. I think maybe we might see this revisited at that point. But in regards to what happened on Monday Night Raw, it was just an end to a means for delay or for Lesnar to lay out Cena in order to set the table for their match at the Royal Rumble.
2: Cool. Well,
0: that, well, that maybe he was trying to curry a little favor with Seth to not try to cash in on Brock again at Rumble like he tried at uh, Night of Champions. Yeah. Jimmy, you're up.
2: Yeah, um,
0: I'm not totally against this whole thing, but I'm not totally for it. I think it's another... I, I felt like it was a cop-out. You know, and I know I'm, I've am i been kind of cynical in saying cop-out, cop-out recently, but I think it's just another way for creative to go, oh, we don't really know how we're going to, you know, make Seth look good or... Sad. We don't know how we're going to make Seth survive this So we're going to make... Paul Heyman be involved in the cage match with Lesnar and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to make them seem like they're teaming up. And I just, I don't like it. I don't think it, I mean, unless he brings up how they used to be in contact when he was still on the shield and blah, 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 something like that, bring up history to tell the story. I just, I don't like it. It doesn't make sense to me. And I mean, it makes Rollins look like a weasel which is fine, because that's what you want him to look like. But at the same time, I just, I don't get it, personally. Wallins' in this weakliness aside here, do you think it's going to get to the point where once it comes to where Seth actually is involved in these main event matches by himself, no longer with j and security, but nobody takes him seriously with all the constant interference involved in his matches? That definitely doesn't help his cause for being taken more seriously in those type of matches um, but his his uh, resume is not exactly you know short when it comes to being able to perform in those matches uh, yes he's had J and J security which I don't see the point of other than to try and make the storyline work more but you know, there's always cronies in a Vince McMahon storyline. There's always cronies. And this one, I mean, Rollins has proven how much of a commodity that he can be for the company. And I think it's all going to build to a point where eventually he'll legitimize himself. All right, fair enough. Um, Any. Anything else about the show to touch on before we go into the uh into the final reaction? no, I don't think so, Jimmy, you got anything else you want to touch on?
2: I don't think so
0: all right well, in that case, just for you, Tony. Hey, Jimmy.
2: Yes?
0: Your favorite moment from Monday's episode of Raw? Oh, shoot. I mean, I really wasn't all that impressed with Raw, to be honest, but if I had to pick a favorite moment, it's probably just Heyman's work on the mic. told a story tremendously, like he always does. I think that he... Was very he creates conviction, which I like a lot, and I think he surprised everybody with the Brock
1: Lesnar turn or return rather.
0: Tony, your favorite moment from Monday's episode of Raw. Uh,
1: Lesnar destroying Cena in the cage. It was it was great. And For me, uh, it, it was also... the general. Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. <laughs>
0: no, it sounded like you had more there
1: it was just it was just more addition to the fact that um you know the guy beat Cena's ass and it was it was it was it was what it needed to be to make you remember that Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar
0: and I like the fact that the announcers played off the fact that both of the guys were dead meat in being in the cage laid out having just done the the attitude adjustment spot off of the top rope too yeah. So I, I think that that was one of the few times where the announcers actually sold the situation well. Um, my favorite moment for the for this particular episode of Monday Night Raw was the general return of Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho is my favorite wrestler. I've never made any bones about this. I will be a Y2J fan until I die. He's the one guy that when I was starting to watching when I was starting to watch wrestling back as a teenager, he was the one guy whose matches. I would always seek out and try to find on an, episode of, on an episode of Nitro back when I first started watching or on Raw once he moved to the WWF in 1999. And any time that I get to see him around, I really look forward to seeing him, even if he's not quite the same wrestler that he used to be and not quite the same, not quite as entertaining as he used to be, it's still nice to see him return back to his roots in the world of professional wrestling, even though he has his foot in so many other different endeavors. Uh, your least favorite part of Monday Night Raw, Jimmy. I'm gonna go with the Divas match. Uh, I just I couldn't get into it. It was just a glorified two minute commercial like we talked about earlier, and I just wish I could start losing
1: that entire division. Um, yeah, I'm gonna agree with the Divas title match or tag team match. Partially because AJ wasn't there, but also because it just, I can see that it, there's potential for um, them to refocus, their, to realign their focus, but I don't think that they're going to be doing it, so.
0: My least, favorite, my least favorite part of the show was, as I touched on in the hit, and the second night in a row that Eric Rowan took a fall from the Big Show. If you're going to build Rowan up to something special, like they tried to do a couple of weeks ago with the whole genius IQ and all that kind of stuff, there, and then you're just going to bring him back down a couple of levels again by having him drop falls on back-to-back nights to the Big Show, even though granted shows the world's largest athlete, but the only reason they're doing this is in order to build up the Big Show for his uh, in order to build up Big Show for his impending his impending struggle with Roman Reigns. You're sacrificing the work that you've done so far with Eric Rowan, and I just don't see the point. Um, Jimmy, give me raw letter grade. I'm sorry? Letter grade for raw. Oh, C plus. All right, why? Oh, I just, it came off of a pay-per-view very very quietly i mean you would think after a big pay-per-view or any pay-per-view for that matter that you would want if you were continuing storylines for people to come in fired up and having, you know, terrific matches to follow up such an ordeal and i felt like a lot of those guys didn't do that you know even the opener was not that much fun to watch and it had Ziggler and Harper in it, and I was really looking forward to it. I thought it would be better. It wasn't. Uh, then you had the two-minute commercial Divas match for their show, which is unnecessary. And the cage match was a chance for Lesnar to get his hands on Cena. And it's just, it wasn't good for me. Too was the best. Uh, Tony?
2: Nobody really knows this, but the softest lips, and sometimes at night we spoon.
1: Yeah, that was my favorite part. No, um, I give Raw a C plus uh, as well, and uh, for a lot of the same reasons. But also, my grade is a little skewed just because of the way that I watched Raw and what happened Monday night. So. Um, but if I were to look at it again, which I I tried to today, it just seems like a C show and there was none of that. We just had a pay-per-view, um, excitement. There was, um, there was continuation. There was movement, momentum towards something else, but it was almost like TLC was just another raw with less talking. And I think that's a bad way to go. So (laughs) that bled into raw that I just wasn't, yeah, it didn't really impress me much.
0: Uh as far as AJ appearing on Raw I'm afraid I've got some bad news. You are missed.
2: Aw Puddin
0: <laughs> I'm giving Raw a C And the reason I'm gonna say C minus is because there were two there were two above average matches. As much as I disliked the finish of show over Rowan the opening tag match actually wasn't too bad, and then Seth and uh, and then Seth and Cena inside of the cage was really good. I actually thought it was better than their tables match the night before. But everything else on the card was, quite frankly, a little bit disappointing. Uh, there was minimal work done towards advancing the Miz and Damian Mizdow thing because they were too they were focusing on the Miz and, and the Naomi and the. The Dow and Miz and the Usos, and I got a feeling that it's eventually going to lead to them dropping the tight belts back to the Usos and Miz and Mizdao finally splitting. But, I mean, you have that there, and then you had... Hold on one second. Here, let me pull up the format real quick. Uh, the New Day and Gold Dust Stardust match, which just seemed insanely too long, especially given the fact that the crowd was dying on it. Uh... Lana and Jericho on the highlight reel set the stage for <clears throat> it. Set the stage for Rusev and, and uh, Ryback going forward, but it didn't give anything interactive between the two of them other than Rusev turning tail, which I think in the process kind of makes Rusev look a little bit weak. Mm. Uh, smart, but weak. And then you had the other scenarios that involved on Raw as regards to the divas tag match that you guys talked about only going about two minutes and nobody giving a crap and just general just seemed like a general disinterest from most of the raw from most Mm -hmm. of the roster in regards to a lackluster TLC pay-per-view I I thought it was okay but it could have been a lot better because TLC is usually one of the better shows of the year and Let's be honest here. They have six weeks of television between now and the Rumble, but two of those weeks of TV that they have aren't going to be much in the way of advancement because they're the Christmas week episode and the New Year's week episode. So this was one of the four episodes of Raw that they had to start to set the stage on the road to WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. And I don't think they did a good enough job of getting everybody excited about the Rumble.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, on that note, any closing words, us?
2: Nope. I'm going to go watch Jimmy C, you got anything else?
0: Yeah, Um, I'm going to go watch Tribute to the Troops and eat a big old burrito. Nice. Alright, so, what else will we expect from the World Fat-Ass Champions? Thanks for your time, champ. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. Have an awesome night. Alright. Tony, pleasure as always, sir. Looking forward to big things in the future. We'll, uh, We'll drop a couple more hints, maybe uh, a little closer towards it actually happening. Yep. And on that note, he's Tony Acero from on Mania. I'm Yes, 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 and R.A.P.W.'s Harry Broadhurst. Don't forget, I joined the guys from Wrestling to the Max tonight, or On Demand if you want to listen later, episode
2: 121.
0: Uh, Sean Garmer, Gary Jovan, and Paul Bryan Leeser tonight to discuss my live experience at TLC as well as to sit in with them for their review of what happened on Raw as well. So basically, I'm going to spend another three hours talking wrestling because that's what I do, apparently. He's Tony. I'm Harry. We'll see you guys on Monday. Yeah, we're actually going to be on time this week, we hope, depending on whether Tony's feed works or not. You've been listening to The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. We'll catch you guys on Monday. Have a good night, everybody. Deuces, bitches. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Presentation of Powerhouse Radio. Join us online at www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com.